Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for the second week in the series we're calling The Way as we're looking through John chapter 14. It's a statement that Jesus made that's just chock-loaded with stuff and what it means for each of our lives. So I'm gonna go ahead and let you get ahead a little bit. If you got your Bibles today, go ahead and turn to the book of John. John 14, we'll start reading in just a moment in verse number seven of John chapter 14. I hope you've all had a great week and you're in for a great morning, I think, here. So I'm just gonna pause here real quick. Would y'all join me, both Compass, True North, and even those of you watching online, would you let our worship teams know what a fabulous job they do and they did this morning, man. You know, um, I th- there's a there's a verse in scripture that says, "Make a joyful noise unto the Lord." I make noises, but they're not joyful. All right, and so every now and then, my me, me singing will get in their little ears up here, and you'll see them begin to take them out, going. Dear Lord, all right? And so they're doing that up here, but man, that was just so good this morning. Well, we began this new series last week, and we picked up in the story of Jesus on his way to the cross. We know that at the end of John 13, he met with his disciples in what was called the Last Supper. He told them that night that one was going to betray. We know that uh, Judas ended up leaving the room. At that point, we know that the betrayer was Judas. Then he looked at his disciples and he said, I'm going to break my body, and he shared it with bread, and I'm going to spill my blood for you. They didn't understand. They didn't get it. See, in their minds, Jesus was always going to be right there with them. Jesus was always going to be right there to see them through. They were never going to be alone. They were never going to be on their own. And yet now he's telling them these things. And we know from the words that were used last week as we read this story that their hearts were in turmoil. The Bible says it this way, their hearts were troubled. In fact, Jesus looked at him when he sensed this going on and he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God... Believe also in me, because in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And last week we talked about what kind of home heaven is. Then he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come get you, so that you may also be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And you remember Thomas spoke up and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't understand. And then Jesus looked at them and he made this famous statement. He said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And nobody gets to the Father except through me. And we began this journey last week talking about what did it mean that he was the way. He's not one of the ways, but he's the way. Well, the disciples' fear came from this. How in the world can we do this journey alone? We're not equipped. We're not ready. We're not prepared. We don't understand what it means. We don't understand where he's going. We don't know how we're going to get through this thing. We don't know how we're going to make it through. So let's pause here in the story, and maybe this will help it make sense. How many of you at your home, you have a toolbox? All right, raise your hand. How many of you would say your toolbox is full of what? 
tools. Tools for what? Whatever project you're working on, right? You got screwdrivers, you got hammers, you got all screws, you got all that stuff in the toolbox. So if you're new to North Star, let me catch up on what all the North Star people already know. I am not the most, let's just put this nicely. I am not the most handy person in the world, okay? Anne did not marry me because of my skills at fixing things. She married me for my looks. And I mean, I just gotta let you in on that. She didn't marry me because I can fix things. Y'all are going, really? That's what you married? Just go with the story, all right? And so I don't fix things. And I remember um, we had been married a year or two and her parents for Christmas, and I love her parents dearly. They were in our first hour, but I remember for Christmas, they bought me a toolbox and I thought they hated me. I'm like, Ann, I don't think your parents like me. Why? They bought me a toolbox and I don't know what to do with it. All right, because I'm not handy, not handy. A couple years ago, Marsha James, our missions director, called the house and said, I need to talk to Ann. I said, she's busy. What's she doing? She's hanging a ceiling fan. No, really, Mike. I went, no, really. She's hanging the ceiling fan, and I'm handing her tools, and she thought, turn in the man card. All right, turn in the man card because your wife's hanging a ceiling fan. But anyways, so as only fate would have it, Friday this week, uh, Mary Michael and I, my daughter, if you don't know Mary Michael and I, headed to Fayetteville, Georgia, and I had to take a tool. All right, this is a Phillips head. Are y'all proud of me? That's pretty good, right? Take up a love offering. All right, and so that's a Phillips head. And I knew because Friday I had to go and put a little placard on my mom's tombstone. They had gotten the header, the, the granite there together, and I had to put her little, and I have not looked forward to this trip, just by the way, and won't get into the sappy part of the story, but I haven't looked forward to the trip. And I thought of all the people that have got to go put this crazy screw in, it would be me because my mother, like two weeks before she passed, their, their mailbox, the little lid on the mailbox was messed up. And one of the neighbors came by, saw that it was hanging funny, and brought his tools over and fixed it. And I found out this at the funeral. And she, my loving mother of all these years, uttered to my neighbor, I'm thankful you fixed it because my sons don't know the difference between a hammer and a screwdriver. All right, that's what my mother that's not nice, all right? That's what my mother said. So Friday, I had to take this down and put the little placard on the tombstone, and I couldn't get it to fit right, and it was hanging funny, and I thought, I ought to leave it like that for what she said. That's what I thought, but I didn't. But I could just see my mom and dad in heaven going, could there not be anybody else that could fix it right? Could not be anybody else? Because we all need tools, right? Tools are for specific things. This passage we're going to read today, he leaves us tools for this journey. He didn't leave us alone. He didn't leave us by ourselves. He left us with tools to make it through. John 14, verse number 7. Let's dive in. If at any point I'm saying something and you're not reading it, look up and we'll talk about it. Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Everybody look at me. Did Philip get it, yes or no? No, Philip has got that. You ever remember sitting in class and they're telling you something, you're like, you just don't get it. Philip didn't get it. He's like, huh, what? He didn't, he didn't understand, verse nine. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? 
The words I say to you are not just my own, rather it's the state, rather it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Philip, do you not get it? Do you not remember that when I was born, that the word for me meant Emmanuel, God with us? Philip, did you not remember that? Philip, do you not get what John wanted? Remember, the word became flesh and dwelt. Philip, you know this. The Father and I, we are one. It's one of the first times we're introduced to this concept of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Equal partners, one person. Right? That's what he's telling them. Philip, you've seen me. You know God. I've been with you for three years, buddy. What more could you want? Verse 11. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Philip, you've seen all the miracles. At least believe the miracles. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. All right, pause here real quick. Mine says anyone. This says whoever. I want you to go with me. Very truly, I tell you, what's this word? Whoever. Who is included in whoever? Everybody. We're all included in whoever. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. But look at what he goes on to say next. And they will do even, what's that word? They'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. They're not going to do them on their own. But they're going to do greater things because I'm with the Father now. We're going to talk about what that means here in a second. Let's keep reading. Keep going. And what I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for, what's that? In my name. And I'll do it. We're going to talk about this because this is, this is packed. We could, we, could, we could take this verse and spend a year there because there's so much involved in this. Keep rolling. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate to help you to be with you forever. That day that Jesus met with his disciples, remember, they're just coming off the news he was leaving. They're rattled. They're shaken. And now he's got to calm them and he's got to equip them because here's what's in their minds. They're about to be all by themselves. That's what's in their minds. They can't do it by themselves. They're, they're all on their own. They're not going to make it. That's, what, that's what's going through their minds right now. There's no way. There's some of you sitting out in our room today. You're freshmen at KSU and your parents just dropped you off and you were fresh out on your own. And man, you're thinking, there's no way I'm going to make it. That's, these guys were thinking that to an even greater degree. Today, I'll take my daughter to Lynchburg and drop her off at college and spend the night up, get her moved in tomorrow. Need the tool. All right. And so get her moved in tomorrow and then we'll drive back. And in that first year up there, you're thinking, I'll never make it by myself. And you do. Because he leaves us tools for the journey. Three things. Ready? Number one, 
right quick. I got a lot to tell you. All right, here we go. Number one, Jesus equips me with truth. The first thing he gives us for this journey is truth. Jesus answered Philip, don't you know that after I've been with you for such a long time, anyone that's seen me has seen the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? And we're going to pause here on this word. The words I say to you to do to speak on my own authority. The words. Jesus tells us two things he leaves us. He leaves us words and works. What are his words? His words are what are contained in this book. We don't challenge you to get in God's word just because we know that you need one more thing on your to-do list. We challenge you to get in God's word because if you're going to survive in this world, you better know what he has for you. And you can't do it on your own. Is the news media, is the media that we live in every day filled with good news or bad news? Don't live off of it. Man, I just get to the point I can't even listen to it. It's like, I don't even want to listen to it. This is the book that has everything you need. He left his words. The second thing he left for us were his works, were his works. The words I say to you do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. He left his words and his work so we could see the love and compassion of God. Now, you may be new to the Bible, so let me give you a little snapshot of Jesus' life. Jesus got ticked off and angry a few times, all right? The majority, and I would say almost every time he got mad, it was never at people who didn't understand. It was always his anger burned at the people who thought they knew everything, the religious leaders. That's who he got mad at. He got mad at the religious leaders because they were know-it-alls. How many of y'all have ever met a know-it-all? Raise your hand. If you're going, I've never met one, you're the know-it-all, all right? And so nobody wants to tell you, but you're that guy, right? You're that lady who knows everything. Jesus couldn't stand these guys because they had figured it all out. Oh, I've got all the answers. I know how this all works. What his works were was living out the love and compassion that God had for others. Don't you wish our world could see what Jesus really looks like? Don't you? They would be overwhelmed at how he loves them. I just wish for a day Jesus could come back just on earth physically for a day and people could see who he really is and how he really loves. But he... He's, he's coming back, but that's not what he's coming back to do. Well, how are they going to know? Everybody look at me. They got you. They've got you. Did you ever think God put you where he put you for somebody to see what God's love looks like through you? That's why he put you there. That's why he put you there. He left us his words and his works. Two of the ways he helps us on this journey, tools for the journey, it's to pray like Jesus. It's to pray like Jesus. We're going to unpack this one. To pray like Jesus. 
Look at what he said to his disciples. I want you to think about this. And I will do, help me out, what does that mean? Whatever. That's what it means. I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I will do whatever you ask in my name. That is a bold statement. So let's talk about that real quick. Most of these disciples, when Jesus met them, were teenagers. Simon Peter, we know, was the oldest. He was early 20s. Most of the rest of the disciples were 14 to 19 years old. They were children. They depended on Jesus for everything. He told them when to go in town and eat. He told them what they were going to be doing that day. He gave them their itinerary. So in their minds, they're never going to make it. And so Jesus looks at them and he says, listen, I'll give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care, and I want you to write this down. Ready? I'm going to take care of your needs. Ask whatever you want in my name. I, I got you. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to take care of you. Ask whatever you want in my name. I'll, I'll take care of you. He's not talking about their wants. He's talking about their needs. You remember, they've gone to Jesus for everything. So think about the context of what's going on here. These guys are rattled. They're scared. They've all left their families. They're all on their own now. And Jesus says, listen, guys, don't worry about it. Ask whatever you want in my name. I, I, I got you. Now, it wasn't like they said, well, Jesus, you know, when we go into that next town, I know we've been riding on the horses, but a Porsche would be nice. All right? They didn't ask that, right? Because it was a need. He, he took care of their needs. Everybody look at me. He still does that. Y'all know that? He still takes care of your needs. He still steps in and takes care of your need. Ask whatever you want in his name and he'll, he'll take care of you. So I've been telling you, that thing is packed. Pray like Jesus. But the second part, live like Jesus. Live like Jesus. If you love me, Keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. I want you to write a little thought down. Ready? Our obedience to the Lord is an outward expression of an inward love. Our obedience to the Lord is an outward expression of an inward love. We live outwardly our obedience. We walk with the Lord we live by what he said. We live it outwardly, but it's an inward love that we're just living outwardly. Live like Jesus. Our world needs you to live like Jesus. And I'm going to tell you this. Sit down. I don't want to sit on the Phillips head. All right, and so let me scoot that back a little bit. That could be a bad morning. Um, if you live like Jesus, you won't look like the world. You can't. Jesus didn't look like the world, did he? Can I tell you, the world didn't like Jesus a whole lot. They didn't get him. If you live like Jesus, you will stand out. I've had kids 
especially my years in student ministry. Man, I just want to stand out for the Lord at my school this year. Okay, just live like Jesus. If you live like Jesus, you will stand out. Because you won't look like everybody else. There'll be something different about you. He left us his word so we can pray like Jesus and so we can live like Jesus. But look at number two. And Jesus equips me. He gives me the tool of purpose. He gives us the tool of purpose. I want you to write down a little thought under number two. In Jesus, I can fulfill the purposes of God. In Jesus, I can fulfill the purposes of God. Now, this is, this is one of those that, that man, I want you to get this. John 14, 12. Read this with me. We're going to read it off the screen because all of us have different versions. So I'm just going to go up here. Very truly, I tell you, whoever, and we talked about that meant anyone, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. But look at what he says next. And they will do even, what's that word? Greater things than these. Okay, whoa. Jesus raised people from the dead. You ever hear about Lazarus? He raised him from the dead. Jesus gave people sight. Jesus healed the lepers. Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus did amazing stuff. I mean, John's just full of the amazing stories we've been covering that Jesus did. And he looks at his disciples and goes, and you'll do even greater things. And I bet the disciples went, uh, no, we won't. We can't do that. How many of y'all, honestly, when you got up and you looked in the mirror this morning, Sunday morning, you're all excited for church, and you looked in the mirror and went, man, today I'm going to do even greater things than Jesus did. Did anybody do that this morning? No. How many of y'all went, I can make it to church, and I can get the sleepy out of my eyes, and I can make it, and I'll hope to be there by 1110. All right, how many of y'all, that was more of your journey this morning. You weren't thinking about greater things. You were thinking about the simple things. Get your fanny in the car now. You know what I'm talking about. That was the stuff you're thinking about. So think about this. How did he say greater things? What did that mean? So here's what we know. At this point in the journey, there were 11 disciples left. It's been in ministry for three years. There's 11 guys left. We know that if you added up all the followers together, all right, from what we understand of Scripture, there are about 120. Right now, in our middle school area, there's probably about 100 students, and we've got 90, 80 to 90 high school students meeting right now. There were more students on this campus than there were followers of Jesus at this point. Can you believe that? One of the guys that heard Jesus' voice that day was a guy named Simon Peter. Simon Peter was a loose cannon, all right? We know that hours later, Simon Peter was going to deny Jesus three times. I don't even know the guy. Call down curses. We know that after the resurrection... Jesus lived on earth for 40 days. Then he ascended back to heaven. There was a day shortly thereafter called the day of Pentecost. Here's what happened on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, 
thousand people were saved that day. Who was the preacher? Simon Peter. Simon Peter, Simon, Simon Peter discovered, I have no idea what I was saying there. Simon Peter discovered that day what greater things really meant. Why could he say greater things? He wasn't talking about the quality. He was talking about the quantity. Because you got to think, so when Jesus lived here on earth, do you know that he never left the nation of Israel? Did you know that? He never left the nation of Israel. How many of you are from another country besides the United States? Raise your hand. Look around the room. You're from another country. I met two guys this morning that are from Russia that are here this morning. They drove in this morning early. And so, but they were, they were driving and they came this morning. They're believers all over the world. Is Jesus equally in India right now as he is in, as he is in Ackworth, Georgia? Yes or no? Is he as equally in Haiti now as he is in Ackworth, Georgia? Why? Because greater things are happening all around us. I want you to write this little thought down, Ready? Don't shortchange what God believes about you. Don't shortchange it. I think many times we believe less in ourselves than God believes in us. We shortchange ourselves. He looks at us and says, you can do greater things. And we're like, no, I just got to get through today. He looks at our lives and says, I've got something great. I've got a great purpose for you. Well, I just need to get through today. Can I tell you why this is such a big deal, this purpose thing is such a big deal? Because somebody else is depending on you to live out your purpose. If you don't live out who God created you to be, someone else will be affected because your purpose is never about you. Your purpose is always for someone else. Millions of people all over the world have been saved because of a man named Billy Graham, one of the greats of all time. What if he hadn't lived out his purpose? Millions would have been affected. Do you know that God put you where he put you for a reason bigger than you? If God brought you here to North Star, he didn't bring you here for you to just sit and listen to worship and listen to me speak. He, he brought you here to use you to bless somebody else. Serving, giving, he didn't bring you here to sit. He brought you here for a purpose bigger than you. Look at what it says, Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Live out your purpose. Number three. He equips me with the Spirit. We can live out our purpose because He equips us with the Spirit. He looks at His guys and listen, this threw them, this statement really threw them off. He said this to them, and I'll ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate. You could substitute the word counselor to help you 
and to be with you forever. Do you know that at the moment of salvation, when you, either at a North Star service, youth camp, wherever you came to know Christ, and you raised your hand and you said, I want Jesus to live in my heart. Do you know that at that moment, the Holy Spirit takes up residence? That's why he's able to be everywhere all at the same time. That's how that's possible. Why does he give us the counselor? Two reasons. Ready? I want you to write these two reasons. And next week, this is all we're going to talk about. Here's what he gives us for. To guide us and encourage us. And sometimes in that guiding, he confronts us and he convicts us, but he's guiding us, trying to get us the right way. He guides us and he encourages us. Everybody needs guidance. We can't make it by ourselves. We can't. I can't. You can't. He guides us and he encourages us. The Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. And when we read God's word and we spend time in God's word, man, he speaks to us. And we get that. Maybe you say, I don't read the Bible every day. Man, that digging deeper. And you get it. And you go, man, God, I want you to speak to me. And he speaks to us. How does that happen? Man, the Holy Spirit just works in our lives. In fact, Scripture says to keep in step with the Spirit. He's going somewhere. Man, move with him. The only way we can do that is by spending time with him every day. You've got a God who has a purpose for your life. I want everybody to look at me, and I don't want you to miss this. But you have an enemy that has a purpose for you too. And his purpose is this. He wants to distract you and discourage you. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to go, I can't do it. He wants you to say, I can't make it. He wants you to say, I'm out. Casey and I were watching a video last night of Navy, this guy that was an admiral, and he was talking about being a SEAL, and he said at the end of SEAL training, there's always a bell. And at any point, you can leave and ring that bell, and the bell means I'm tapping out, I'm out. I can't make it. There's no way I can get there. I've wanted to tap out. I've wanted to quit. It's funny. We were singing here in Compass a few minutes ago. King of my heart. I love that. It's my favorite song out right now. You're like, we sing that too much. We'll quit singing it when I get tired of it. All right? And I really like that song. I love that song. And so I'm down here. And you remember the part where it says, you are good. If I were an evangelist, I would sing that. But I can't. All right? And so you're good. You're good. Oh, you know that part? I've said, you know, like, it didn't sound anything like that. <laughs> You're judging me, and that's very rude, all right? And so, but I, I've sat in that little corner since this building opened in November of 2000. It was a long time ago. I sat in those chairs. They tried to move me one time, and it throws the mojo off, all right? And so I always sit right over there. I've sat in that chair when God didn't seem good. I've sat in that chair, and the very last thing I ever wanted to do was to have to come up here and talk about how good God was, because I didn't feel it right then. I've sat in that chair on the darkest of days. But you know what I've learned looking back in the rearview mirror? If you keep walking, you never regret it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for you. 
He keeps you moving. Some of you, man, you're in that time right now. You're just, it's dark. And you don't see the dawn coming. Look at me. He is good. Keep walking. He's going to leave us one that will get us through. If you're here today and you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. I don't know how you make it, man. I should be completely honest with you. I couldn't do it without him. And really, neither can you. Would you pray with me? Right where you're seated right now. Would you just ask God what he has for you this morning? Would you? And you may be sitting there and you're like, man, I didn't come here for this. Man, you feel that tug on your heart and that tap on your shoulder. It's that, that feeling of, this is for you. That's, that's, the, that's the Father drawing you. Can I lead you in a prayer that I prayed years ago that we've prayed many, many times here at North Star? The prayer goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. Man, if you're in one of our venues this morning, and you said, Mike, for the very first time I prayed that prayer, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And today, Mike, I ask Jesus in my heart, if that's you, we want to give you a little gift. If that's you here today, would you just slip your hand up with me real quick? Just slip your hand up. Just slip it up, hold it up. Slip it up and hold it up. Just because we want to get this gift to you. Amen. Let's keep the hand up. Man, if you pray that prayer with me this morning, they're giving you a little gift. There's a little card in there. If you'll fill it out before you leave today and hand it to somebody on the way out or put it in one of our next boxes on the way out, we'd love to tell you what's next. Maybe today you're like, Mike, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not walking in the Spirit. I'm walking in the flesh. I'm just doing my own thing. Will you just take a second and deal with the Lord, would you? Oh, God, I pray for those greater things personally for our people, personally as a church body, that we would see all the things that you have in store for us and believe them and live them out. And it's not through us. It's only because you're in us. God, may we be the people you created us to be and live out the purpose you created for us to live out. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would you all join me and congratulate and thank all those that accepted Christ this morning. Isn't that awesome?
so proud of you guys. So proud of you guys.